Okay, I can hear doggies panting. <laughs> um, I think it was doggy panting. Was it doggy panting? Mm. <gasps> Never mind. Actually, there was somebody snoring as well. I don't know which one was snoring. Oh, snoring, that will be um, Luna. Yeah, Luna snores. There was one snoring. There was one snoring. Okay. Let's just try that intro again, shall we? <laughs> Going to be giggling all the time now. In a world where pet dog owners are bombarded on all sides with well-meaning training solutions steeped in confusing jargon, two dog trainers from the ancient county of Dorset share a passion for gardening, Belgian shepherds, and helping frustrated and struggling dog owners turn their unruly canine companions into the perfect walking partner. They vow to simplify the dog training process using everyday examples and solutions providing the light at the end of the tunnel. Welcome to the Fun Focus Play Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fun Focus Play Podcast. My name is Tasha Lewis. And I'm Wendy Halliday. Today, we thought we would discuss how it can all go wrong right from the start and the reason I thought that was a good place to start with the series of podcasts that we are going to do on lead booking because we normally get a puppy at about what eight nine weeks old and one of the first things that we do with our puppies apart from the obvious things like house training is teaching them to walk on a nice loose lead or not just teaching them to walk on a nice loose lead but actually having that lead onto that you know attaching the lead on the collar and what happens most of the time is that we attach that lead onto the collar and the very first thing that we do is just let the puppy drag the lead just to get it used to having the lead attached to the collar because it's a different sensation from just having a collar on and Hopefully having the collar on is nothing new to your puppy because the breeder should have, you know, popped the collar onto the puppy to identify it from from a pretty young age, normally about three, four weeks, I think. Most different coloured collars. They have different coloured collars because that actually helps them to distinguish between the puppies and the litter. I know I always do that when I'm when I breed a litter. The pups always have some way of identification on them. And from about three, three and a half weeks, they actually do get a collar on as well. So they get used to it. And it's just a very lightweight ribbon collar to start off with. Then when they get a little bit older, it just change it to a normal little popper collar. So your puppy, when it arrives with you, should already be used to having a collar on. But it won't be used to having a lead on. So the normal advice at that stage is to just clip a little training line onto the pup's collar and let her drag and play with it on so that she gets used to the the feeling and the weight of having that lead attached to, to her collar. And that's all very good and proper, okay? That's the way I would do it. But the problem starts when we start picking that lead up. Can you think of why it would be a, a problem to, to just pick that lead up and then... What, what do you do to start... You know, what is the first thing that you would do when you pick that collar up, that, that lead up, when it's attached to your puppy's collar? You don't know that. That's okay. (laughs) You haven't had a puppy, have you? Well, I haven't had a puppy for twenty five years, so I don't know. You can't remember. No, I can't remember. Okay, I don't know. My dogs have just 
done it, but I haven't had a puppy for sort of like 25 years. My last three dogs have all been rescues, so... They've so all come ready. You can't ready built. They've come ready built. Yeah. yeah. So with a puppy, <laughs> the first thing that you do after you pick that lead up is probably just follow your puppy around. And she wonders where she wants to go and you just follow. And uh, what you tend to do is when you're following, you don't want that lead to go tight. So when puppy runs, you run with puppy. You follow them around. And then once puppy is used to you holding the lead, then the next piece of advice was to start directing your puppy where you want her to go but normally by this stage your puppy has already learned that when that lead goes on i can go where i want and mommy just follows or daddy just follows and that actually becomes a problem because that's the start of teaching your dog that she can go where she wants to go and then when you get to the stage where you are starting to direct your puppy where you wanted to go that's normally where you get the fight okay so your puppy is either just going to shut down and not move or your puppy is going to fight against you trying to direct her where she wants to go. So she's going to fight against that pressure on her collar. Doing that actually makes things a lot worse because what we're actually doing at that stage is teaching our puppies to pull. Yes, they pull straight back against you. Because they're pulling straight back against you. Now, what you should do instead when you pick that lead up is, is not just follow your puppy blindly to where she wants to go. You should start directing your puppy a lot earlier. Encouraging them to come with you in your exactly. direction. Exactly. It's all about the encouraging your puppy to come with you rather than you just trying to pull her to where you want to go. And I think that is one of the main problems that people have when they're teaching their puppies to walk on that lead is that they don't actually think about the behaviour that they want at the end of it. Yeah. So if you start really early by teaching your puppy that I want you to come with me, I don't want you to just go where you want to go, then you're going to be in a much better position to stop your dog from pulling as she's growing up before it's learned to pull yeah so we need to prevent our puppies to learn to pull and like i said before you know the best way of doing that is actually when you start picking that lead up after your puppy is used to dragging that lead around because we still have to let them get used to that that weight the extra weight on their collar and the feeling of having something attached to them is by if we then pick up that lead and start encouraging our puppy to come with us and rewarding them when they do we actually bypass that section where they would be learning to pull on the lead and not be dragged everywhere and not be dragged everywhere and i think especially with puppy training that is probably one of the biggest mistakes people make is just that they pick up that lead and start pulling on it to try and get their puppy to come with them and probably at the same time they are encouraging their puppy but they're still pulling on that lead because we want you to go this way and as the puppy grows up and the puppy gets older that becomes a bigger and bigger problem because the puppy says well actually i don't want to go that way you know when we first started this you were just following me around and i, I like that yeah because that I was great fun because i and... could go off and have a sniff and do whatever i wanted to do and that was and, correct then. and that was what you asked me to do so yeah so it's very easy to get it wrong right from the start isn't it yeah literally from day one from day one from the moment you put that clip of that lead onto that collar it's so easy to get it wrong 
And the other thing that happens, I think, with a lot of people um, when they take their puppies out for the first time is they think it's all about the walk, but it's not. When your puppy is young, they can only be taken out for a walk for five minutes per month of life. So their walk is restricted. When they finish their inoculations, about 12, 13 weeks, they're allowed to go on a, what, 15 minute walk? 10 minutes, 15 minutes. 10, 15 minute walk. And that's all you should do because they get all the exercise they actually need in the garden. Playing in the garden, playing with their toys, that's where they get all the exercise they need. But when you take them out for that very first, well, not just for the very first walk, for, for the walks that you want to do, to you, it's a walk. You're thinking about it as a walk. What you should be t- thinking about is that it's a training session. It's a really brilliant opportunity to teach your dog not to pull on the lead. And you go out with your puppy and it's not about the destination. It's not about how far you walk within that 10, 15 minutes. To me, it's about getting my dogs to walk with me. So if I have to do two paces and puppy is at the end of the lead, I will just stop, encourage them to come back to me and then we go on. Yeah, it's the dog's walk, not our walk. Well, you know, it, it not just that. It's about, for me, it's not a walk. It's a training session. Mm. That's how I look at those first 15, 20 minutes when your puppy can't actually go very far because they're too young. We need to look after their joints. We need to make sure that they have a good experience. So for me, it's about it's about the experience. It's about teaching the puppy what I expect of her. Not, oh, I need to do this particular walk. It will take us 10 minutes and that's it. It shouldn't be about that. Yeah. And I know for a lot of people it is about that. And they, they just don't realise how crucial it is that those early walks are actually spent teaching the dog not to pull on the lead. And if you do that from a really young age, then before you know it, you have a puppy that doesn't even think about pulling on the lead. It just comes naturally. It just comes naturally. And it's probably a little bit different if you've got a rescue dog because it comes with a set of behaviours that it has learnt in its previous homes and its previous, well, previous life, yeah. I could call it, I suppose. I mean, you've got, you've rescued quite a lot of dogs and yeah. I know you've been very lucky with them because they haven't actually pulled very much from what you've told me in the no. past. No, well, no. But the only thing, because I mean, even Ruby, when she came to me, we couldn't touch her or do anything and... I must admit, it used to take sort of like three people just to try and get a collar or a lead on her because we couldn't get near her. But when we walked out, she'd just walk along on a lovely loose lead until she saw another dog. And then that was sort of a different story. But then that was a backwards reaction, not a, a, a forwards forward one. one. And even my Rottweilers, um, the boy came to me at six months, but um, he always walked very nicely on the lead. I don't think he'd ever, ever had a lead on, which probably helped. Um and the the old girl I took on, and she was ancient, so she actually knew better. So I was very lucky. You were very lucky I then, because um, I know you know one of the biggest problems that people have when they have a dog is the pulling on the lead, you know, and that's that's one of the main reasons why people contact me um, and want to come to the classes is to learn how to stop their dog from pulling on the lead. It's the biggest complaint of most dog owners that their dogs pull. Yeah more than anything else not you don't get them because i can't get the dog to sit and i can't get the dog to lay down it's my dog pulls on the lead yeah and the other one is the recall 
and the, yeah, and it won't come back. <laughs> and it won't come back. It pulls on the lead and it won't, won't come, come back. back. Those are the two most common complaints. And when you've got a rescue dog, you don't know what the past experience of that dog has been and how it has been taught in the past because you don't normally get that information do you no. you know it's very rare where you have the full backstory about what's actually happened to that dog quite often the dogs come from places like ireland or even further abroad you know when you look at the the, the rescue dogs are coming in from romania and all the oh, the yeah. eastern from everywhere nowadays and greece and you know in some extent spain as well these dogs are being rescued by very well-meaning people and they are placed in a home situation that they might not be used to. So everything is really, really new. They get a lead put on, they get taken for walks, but they pull. Yeah, they're not, because they're not used to it. Yeah, quite a few of them are coming over the sort of Spanish street dogs and they've all they've ever known is just wandering the streets quite happily and then all of a sudden they're picked up transported over here put in a home and a collar and lead put on and they they don't just don't know any different they don't know they they just don't know about collar and lead they don't know about living in a home even no they don't know and everything i know i know i know this is going to be quite controversial to some people but i sometimes wonder whether it's better just to do a spay neuter program over there and reduce the the streetless dark you know the homeless well, it's not actually homeless, are they? Because they're not used to having a home. home. No. They are. They've been their born. Life. They've been born on the street. They've spent they, their whole lives on the street. And they live in a lovely, <laughs> lovely warm country. They get, you know, a lot of these dogs get adopted by locals. Yeah, a lot um, of the local shops and cafes look after them and things. Yeah, so. and they do get looked after. It, I think part of the problem is our perception of. Uh, the difference in culture between what we see as what a dog needs and what the local people see a dog needs and you know if you to me if you want to help a majority of those dogs because i don't think they're all suitable to live in a home yeah you know maybe if they're younger they can cope with it but when they're older i think it's going to be much more difficult for them And we've gone completely off tangent now. We have. <laughs> we have. But, you know, I sometimes wonder whether those dogs are actually better to stay where they are, get the help they need. So use the money that is raised to get the dogs over here to help them over there. Yeah. So do a spay-neuter program. Give them, you know, monitor them. Give them veterinary care when they need it. But just let them live out their lives where they're where they've grown up. Yeah the only life they know it's the only life they know and sometimes it's very stressful for them to come into into situations like you know what we into a home with into noises, a home with washing machines and hoovers and traffic yeah the traffic here i it's think completely is completely different from different from, from from where they come from yeah. exactly they sort of, tend to be out in the villages and the outskirts rather than in the town so they won't have heard sort of cement mixers and pneumatic drills and all of the the scary things yeah and bin lorries and and that kind of thing because they would get away from it and they could get away from it yes whereas here they can't can't. no so you know i sometimes think that the stress that those dogs are under is probably detrimental to their health to be fair um and and their mental health as well um which is why you know speaking from experience here because i've been contacted to deal with you know quite a lot of people whose dogs have been rescued from these kind of places and they're all having problems with them i know it works in some cases 
but that's not what I'm seeing. Mm. Anyway, let's go back to Two. rescue dogs <laughs> rather than the, the street dogs that come over from, from European <laughs> countries. Um, with a rescue dog, you don't have the background most of the time. You don't know what the dog has been taught in the past. And when you get one of these dogs and it gets placed in a, a home, the first couple of days, maybe the first couple of weeks is okay. And the dog just behaves because it's a new situation. They're sort of sussing things out. And then after that period of time, that settling in period of time, they sort of start showing their true colours. They start showing their true temperament, their true character. And... That's the point where the problems actually come to the front. So that's the point where you're going to see the problems like, okay, yeah, maybe they're not as good at lead walking as I thought they were. Because now all of a sudden they're starting to pull on the lead. But what people tend to do is pull back and just drag the dog back. And actually what you're doing is you're making the problem worse. It becomes a tug of war. So then the person who's the strongest will win. And even though dogs are, well, most of them tend to be smaller than us, have less weight behind them than we do, but because they're on four legs, they can use that weight a lot more efficiently than we can. Lower centre of gravity. They have that lower centre of gravity, which actually aids them into pulling on that lead because they want to get away from it. It's a natural response. And... You know, we need to bear that in mind. We need to sort of look at it and say, actually, I need this dog to walk on a nice loose lead. Let's start from it from the moment they come home. You know, forget about having to give them that freedom to settle in even when they go on a walk. I think that's sort of, you know, you have to start the way you mean to go on. So if you allow your rescue dog to pull on that lead from the first moment it comes in into your home, and into your life, you're going to have a struggle with it. So it's much easier to say to the dog, okay, these are the house rules. This is One I of the expect. house rules is you do not pull in the lead. And you work on it from day one. And I think when you do that, you've got a much greater chance of success than when you sort of let the dog settle in for a month or even two months. And then, okay. Ooh, I oh, have a problem. I have a problem. You could prevent it, and prevention is always better than curing yeah. it. Because it's much easier. Already have had it sort of one or two months of getting away with whatever it wants to do. Yeah. And setting rules is so important. And it's not just, yes, you're allowed on the sofa, or no, you're not allowed on the sofa. It's things like, okay, we don't allow pulling on the lead here. It's things like that, you know. When I ask you to sit, you plonk your bum on the floor. Of course, you need to reward your dog for doing the things that you want them to do and you ask them to do. But is to me, it's just logic that the moment you get a dog into your front door, you get your puppy home, you get your rescue dog home, you put in those rules right from the start so that your dog knows right from the start what is and isn't allowed. And I do that with puppies and I would do it with a rescue dog as well. Although I've personally, I've never had a rescue dog. I know that when I was a um, small child, my mum and dad brought home a German pointer. He was a wire-haired German pointer. And he was lovely. His name was Casper. No, not Casper. Castor. 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 
I must have been, oh gosh, maybe six, seven at the time. I wasn't allowed to walk him because obviously he was, was taller than big. I was. He was taller than I was. Um, but he was a lovely dog. But I remember my mum and dad saying, okay, these are the rules. You know, he is not sleeping with you on your bed. <laughs> you know, but, you know, and he was a rescue and he came to us as an adult dog. Um, but yeah, that was my first dog, my very first dog. Or the family's mm. first dog. But I never walked him because mm. I was too small. Mm. You know, my dad did all the walking with him. And in those days, the walking was off lead. Yeah. You know, you very rarely use the lead. I think he, my dad probably used a, a lead for the first month of walking him. After that, I don't think the lead even came out. Mm. But that was, you know... Then. Th that was then, you know. I'm, I'm talking about... Gosh. <sighs> probably about... 39 40 years ago you know something like that you know it, those days and those days everything was so different but wasn't you, it you quite often find that even now where people will say well i can let my dog off the lead and it walk beautifully to heal as soon as i put the lead on it pulls and that's because it's learnt to pull on the lead whereas when it's off the lead it will be at heel because it's got nothing to pull against and it's always learnt to walk nicely there but you pop the lead on and it's learnt to pull against the lead which is why they then pull and people can't understand the difference going oh it works all right perfectly all right off lead but it doesn't when i put a lead on yeah there's this little thing is that every action has an equal and opposite reaction newton's third law of motion and that is actually what happens when you put that lead on, on. that's it that's but people it. can't understand what what the difference is you know you'd expect it they always go, oh, I'd expect it to run off when I haven't got a lead on, but it walks, stays beautifully by my side, put the lead on, and all it wants to do is get away. Yeah, but that's that's the third law, the law. of Newton's yes. third law of motion mm. in action. Because there is pressure on the neck, the dog is trying to get away from right. it, and it's an instinctive reaction. So it's the same as, you know, if I were to lean into you, you would lean, lean back, back into me with the same amount of pressure... pressure as I'm leaning into you because if you didn't you would I'd either fall over. fall over or if you lent into me with a greater pressure I would fall over mm. so to keep that balance you need equal pressure so the the moment you pop a collar and lead on your dog's neck what you get is that that pressure on your dog's collar which is equal to the tension you're putting on the lead means that your dog is going to use that same pressure or a greater pressure to try and get away from it but to get away from it they're not going to go backwards they're going to try and run through it because they want to get away from it they don't realize that actually if you step back that pressure goes they're fighting against it so they want to get away getting away to them means going forwards and that is the reason why your dog pulls on the lead back to the flight mood it's the flight mode and it's just, just, just trying to get away from it and that's what happens when you pop that lead on but what we need to teach our dogs is actually we want you to give into that pressure and it's the same with horses you teach horses to give into the pressure once you've taught them to give into the pressure they're not going to pull on that lead anymore on that bombshell that's about it i think we should end it <laughs> okay so the bombshell is your dog pulls because it's fighting against the pressure on my neck. Boom, there you have it.
we will see you next time. Well, not see you. You will hear us next time. (laughs) Bye-bye for now. Bye. Now, before we go, I think we should fill our listeners in on the fact that we've got a few places left on the No Pulling Allowed workshop that is happening on the 12th of October at our training venue in Dorset. This particular workshop is based on my book, No Pulling Allowed, and it will it will show you how to teach your dog to walk on a nice loose lead. You can book your place um, via the website, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to pop a link to that booking page on the show notes. 